everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Melanade Scenes podcast. I'm Tiara, and I'm here to give it to you straight up, raw, no filter. Welcome to today's Melanated discussion. As a part of the Melanated Professional series, we will be talking with Stanleen to learn about her career, how she got there, and how you two can be a powerful professional like her. So thank you, Stanleen, for being here and taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. You ready to get started? Yes, thank you for having me. Awesome. So Stanley, what is, well, actually, you're retired now, right? Yes. So what, As of 2018, yes. Okay. So what was your job title? Um, actually, I had two job titles. The first one, when I first started in Boeing, it was a manufacturing engineer, and that was for the 737 um, down in Renton, Washington. And then in 2002, I transferred up to Everett, Washington, which um, where I was a manufacturing manager or manufacturing engineer. And then for the 767. And then later, after I did some lean training, I moved over to customer engineering. Okay. So in layman's terms, what do those titles mean? Like, what were you doing? So um, as a manufacturing engineer, um, you would work directly with um, the mechanics and you would do the um, manufacturing plans. So you would sit out by the airplane or near the airplane and um, there's a specific section or maybe systems like maybe the tubing. So the first time I started working for Boeing, I was um, kind of um, doing the tubing for the 757 and also the, all the tubing that went into the wing and also all the way back, pedal static. And then, so, so you would kind of just go out and if the mechanics had a problem, maybe um, it was not per built per the manufacturing plan, then you would go out there and you would um, sit down with them and kind of um, just go over what was going on and then correct it. And then you had your own stamp and you would just, um, once you change the manufacturing plan, you sign it, then you stamp it and then it makes its way, I guess, per FAA requirements. And then, um, let's see, what else did I do? I did um, systems, like all the hydraulic systems that was included in that. So that was manufacturing. Also, you're responsible for, um, say that a customer comes and wants to change their airplane, maybe a place for the galley or the lavatories, um, or you know, they want to change, we have to go through a whole process, like. Um, coordinate with change management and then you pick the airplane that um, you want to change on and then you just you know attend meetings so that um, you represent the factory okay and then with um, customer engineering um, I like that because it was it was challenging for me and it's like at the beginning of the whole before the airplane even gets built you meet with customers you see what the configuration they want and then you just manage that configuration of their airplane all the way until rollout. And then you kind of actually see the end product from the beginning to the end. Okay, cool. Stanley, what is mm-hmm. the tubing part that you were talking about? What is that tubing? You said, Oh, you know, it's like uh, where all the hydraulic systems, like when the plane lands, if you see the wing, sometimes it, you know, it, it, it um, the wings kind of roll out and then they right. move up. Well, you need that hydraulic system to kind of make it um, yeah, kind of loop, loop, I guess, through the whole thing because you have um, alternators also that are right there mm-hmm. on the wing. So, um, yeah, it's just all the tubing. Um, 
I guess the hydraulic and then for the fuel systems, okay. those kind of things all needs to go through from the beginning and then all the way to the sides down into the wings. Okay, cool. So Stanley, how did you get into this career field? Like, have you always been in this career field? Did you go directly out of college, like in your 20s? Or how did that work? Like, how did you get into um, so how I got into it was I've always been kind of fascinated with um, airplanes. So um, I went to Northern Arizona University and I, I earned my degree and then got married and moved straight um, right away to Washington State. And um, it was at that time that Boeing, you know, and Starbucks and um, some of those other ones are really big in that area. So it was kind of I kept trying to apply. I would go to career fairs, um, different conferences. I think I went to like a ship conference to try to get into the job fair, just to try to apply because I knew that I wanted to go to Boeing. But um, it, the only time oh, I see, I end up getting the job because I called back to my university, Northern Arizona University, and called the engineering department and let them know that I was interested in Boeing. Is there anyone at school that has a contact there? So they gave me a fax number and I went ahead and faxed my uh, resume there. And within the day I got a call back and then I got um, an interview and got hired right on the spot. Nice. So, yeah. And so that was like a whole year out of college. So I had to kind of, you know, wait a little bit, but I got right in. And um, the thing with Boeing was it was not, I w wasn't sure how I felt about <clears throat> manufacturing, engineering, because, you know, I, I wasn't sure what, um, how, where I can go. But I think once you get your foot into the company, I mean, it's really kind of, you know, you can find your way around you. And that's how I got the second job. The customer engineering job was I was a manufacturing engineer working on a seven, um, six, seven um, structures group. And um, I, there was an opportunity where Boeing was getting more lean training. So I went into a one-year internship to learn about lean. And at the end of that, I started doing workshops. And so, and during one of the workshops, um, customer engineering was in there so that we can do like a, um, just a flow chart from the time the customer decides what they want all the way until rollout, all the customers that are involved to the end. And it was there that I kind of got a little view of what they did. So that really interests me. I started like getting excited and uh, went over there and asked, you know, is there any openings? So um, they said, actually we do. So I interviewed for the job and um, I got it. And, you know, I stayed there for um, six years and I loved it. That's cool. When you say lean, are you uh, referring to Lean Six Sigma? Yes. Um, Explain Boeing what? at that time, yeah, Boeing at that time wasn't really into the Six Sigma like I see a lot of companies are. Um, ours was more called, um, just like the Toyota Productive System, ours was the BPS, Boeing Productive System, and it was like brand new, so, um, you know, I think they were kind of maybe just kind of learning all about it. Um, we got to travel down to um, Southern California to kind of look at some of those plants to see um, what we can take from them and then bring it back. And so, yeah, we did that for a whole year. We did um, AIW's um, accelerated um, improvement workshops. And that's what I love because going from, um, you know, going from the customer, I actually, we were working backwards from the end product and then 
you know, what your customer needs. So yeah, it, it was really interesting. Cool. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm guessing you need a degree for this type of role or career field. Am I right? Or have you yes. to some people who do not have degrees, but still do? Um, no, all the people that I worked with had degrees. And at Boeing, you can, like, um, if you're a math major or, yeah, if you had a, a math degree, you know, they, you can get hired as an engineer. I have a physics degree, so I got hired as an engineer there. And... Um, yeah, it, and then at Boeing too, you have a lot of opportunities if you want further education. So that's where I earned um, my MBA was, you know, after, while I was working, I earned that. And then there was a time in 2003 when I did get laid off. And at that time I started taking um, project management classes. And then, so after that, I thought, well, my goal is to get a PMP, project management professional. So um, I finally accomplished that in 2018. Yeah, 2018. So that to me was such a big accomplishment because, you know, it, it's, it's not just studying the book. It's like real hands-on experience that you have to bring to, um, to kind of pass the exam. So I tried it a couple of times and I had failed because I was more trying to apply the book and that's not what they wanted they it was over here you want um they want the hands-on stuff right i studied that humongous book for mm -hmm. the company and i've never i haven't taken the exam yet um i probably should have a long time ago because now i would have to like restudy everything exactly that's what i i how i ended up what i ended up having to do was um this kind of shut everything off and just you know i did um someone gave me some books, study books, and then I bought some more. And um, there was a woman by the name of Eileen down in Colorado Springs. She has this Facebook page that really, really helps you. And I think it was through her help of going over exam questions. And, and then she would um, tell you why you didn't, why, you know, what the correct answer was and why. So, I was doing that maybe eight hours a day for a whole month. And then finally, yeah, finally, um, luckily that last week, my husband was out of town for a job. So I shut myself in and um, then, you know, when he, he had me take one day off before the exam and said, let's just, you know, let's change things up and not do anything the, the day before. But, it, you know, you normally you would think, no, I want to study till the last second. But he said, no, let's try it this way because we were doing that the last two times and it, it didn't happen. Right. So sure enough, he set me up for a massage, a facial that last day. And um, yeah, I went in there and um, yeah, I was like, I, once I saw that thing that says you passed, yeah, I didn't <laughs> care. I broke right down in that, in that um, you know, everyone's trying to do their test and I'm like crying over here because I was so thankful that I passed it. To me, that was such a, a big accomplishment so when my certification um you know my certification came I you know I I did go I went and found the frame I put it in there and my husband said why don't you put it right here like in the living room or I said no I'm going to put it behind the door he said but no one's going to see it I said nobody has to see it that's for me I said so next time I ever face something that I feel that's impossible I'm going to look at that, um, you know, diploma or whatever certification, and I'm going to know, you know, I felt like I couldn't accomplish it, and I did, and I'm sure that, you know, I can do it again. 
Yes, definitely. PMP is no joke. No, it is a joke. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so Stanley, if someone was looking for any of the roles that you explained earlier that you've done at Boeing, what type of job should they be looking for? What are some key words that you will see on like a job posting so they know that they're applying for the right thing? Um, if you want to work in the factory, I think a lot of them is either a manufacturing engineer or industrial engineer because you see we have to work with the IEs out there or even those A and P uh, mechanics. So if you get training with that, you know, that they're all in the factory. Um, a lot of, and then there are some design engineers that are out there. And then there's also, if you want to work with a portion of the area where people are doing changes as far as changes to the airplane, then that's change management. Or you want to go out and buy parts or even like um, work with our suppliers. We have that there too. And then the one in customer engineering is this, um, customer engineering, um, account techs, or account managers. Those are the two that you would look for if you wanted to work in customer engineering. Okay, cool. So once on the job, what does a day in the life look like? Um, so at Boeing, uh, with manufacturing engineers, or even they call them planners sometimes, um, we work with um, cubes. So you put um, there's a system in there that you log into and then it's kind of like a basket, I guess, electronic basket because you just pick out what you need and whether it be um, a mechanic might have had something happen with the plane the day before, you would then you would know, okay, so look on the, we call it radars and it's uh, where it's like the drawing system. So you look to see what the problem is. You go actually go out to the factory to, if you're not in there already, to the plane to see where the problem is. And then you would um, either get together with your design engineers and then try to figure out a plan and then get back to your desk and then make the changes. And then it'll make, it'll route its way to whoever your next customer is going to be. And um, what else? Yeah, sometimes you just go out to the plane. There was one time where there was a problem with the plane where they said that there was a passenger actually sitting on the airplane and they looked down and they could actually see the luggage and the cargo. So they said, you know, it, so I had to go back to see what job actually was supposed to be doing, putting a little um, filler in there. So I had to go out to the airplane to see um, what position that plane was. And it, you know, it somehow got missed. And then from there, we had to make sure that the, the remaining planes behind it did get that job accomplished and then there's a place at Boeing too that has um, completed records you know making sure that the planes after that they all got signed off to say yeah that place that was only a one-time mistake and then they go back and then the you know the customer would have someone maybe go out there and fix that problem okay. so I liked it because every day is it's different it's a variety of stuff right Stanley, and you get to, and you get to know your mechanics too. Who are your customers that you're referring to? Um, my customers could be internal or external. So your internal customers could be like your mechanics, change management, your buyer, you know those those people that you work with, the factory manager or the industrial, you know the industrial managers. 
anyone can be your customer out there. They just need to know, okay, so where are the MEs, the, the manufacturing engineers for this particular, particular position? Um, and I'm sure that they could probably look that up in, you know, in their internal system. And uh, external managers, I know external um, customers could be, you know, the people, the suppliers that make our seats or the ones that supply us with the carpets or even the um, actuators that are in the, you know, in the wing, those kind of, those are all um, my customers. Or your customer could be, yeah, somebody that's kind of like, um, not so much like maybe I'm the 737 person for the tubing and then my customer could be someone from the, a different plane. Okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Stanley, what would you say uh, was the thing you liked most about your job when you were there at Boeing and what are some of the things that you liked the least or that were the most challenging that come with a role that you were in? So the most, the best thing that I really enjoyed was just being around the airplane. You know, there's, you, you look at the airplane or even now when I'm getting on as a passenger, I look and I think, oh, okay, so here's the door. And I, there's always <clears throat> like on a Boeing plane, you know, I see the sticker up here, the placard. I know what that placard is because I used to do that for the seven, um, the triple seven airplane or even the seven six seven airplane. So, so just it just I'm so familiar now with um, you know the airplane and that's what I love. Or like even um, I didn't know like the bigger airplanes, the triple seven. You know I didn't know that they have a place above the passengers where the crew sleep. And I've never seen that. I didn't know where the door was. And one of the other engineers said, hey, come on, let's go walk over there and I'll show you. So we went up there and I just thought that was the neatest thing because we don't see it as passengers on a plane, you know? Right. That's super cool. It is. It is. Or even like um, the bigger planes are, are broken down into different sections. Like the first part is section 41 and then 42, I think. But my, my particular one when I was in structures was um, section 46, which is kind of in the middle of the airplane. So, um, you know, there I kind of learned more about how the structure is, how thin the skin of an airplane is. It's just so small and are so thin. And then also, um, you know, underneath um, all the bars that go across, or even I didn't know at the time that we have, um, you know, when the, the lightning comes, you know, and then it, it doesn't, why it doesn't hurt the airplane, you know, when we're in flight or and then it strikes you know, because of the ground in there. So those are some of the things that I got to learn while I was working instructors. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So Stanley, would you say that there are growth opportunities within like a, uh, a mechanical engineering type of role or would you yeah. think after a certain amount of time someone would want to pivot to a different type of engineering role? I think um, there's a lot of um, growth, you know, it, the growth is more like, I think, going on to upper management, like maybe um, becoming a first line manager and then moving up to a second level management. So, um, yeah, there, there is some growth. And then also, if you want to try a different um, place at Boeing, there's opportunities for that, too. Right, like you mentioned earlier. So once you basically get your foot in the door, then it's kind of open mm -hmm. with a bunch of other roles that you've yeah. thought about. Yes. 
Yeah. And one thing I didn't, I guess, didn't answer was um, some of the things that I didn't like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah I really can't think of anything that I disliked about it because um, I think it, it, if you make the job kind of fun, you know what I mean? Like not so just, you know, focus all the time, but sometimes just be able to, um, you know, work and then joke around sometimes. Other than that, I can't, I mean, that was you know, nice, but I cannot think of anything that I did dislike about my job. What would you say was the most challenging thing then about your job? Um, I think it's so much, not so much job, my job, but I think living on the other side over like in um, Silverdale area and then coming all the way to Renton for six years, um, that was challenging for me because it, you know, it wears you down and you get to work and you're kind of already tired, <laughs> you know, and then at the end of the day, you got that two hour commute again. So uh, I don't think there was, there was a lot of challenges as far as like your work, maybe um, say that Boeing comes in with a new system. Um, we had this, um, I think it was around 2000 that we came in with the PDM and everyone, through the whole company had to get trained. So I think um, sometimes it was challenging because, you know, the, the, the training would be a little bit longer than, than I had anticipated. And you have to, um, I had to end up staying a little longer, which got me home later. And so those kind of things, um, just learning maybe a new system. And of course, there's always difficult people, you know, that you work with. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Yes. I forgot to ask you earlier, Stanley, did you go to college like right out of high school and then get your degree in physics and then go to Boeing or uh, was it like a, a different route that you took? Um, yeah, my route was different. In high school, um, right after high school, I, um, my boyfriend at the time um, joined the army and then we got married and we already had a one-year-old daughter and then we went to Germany for a few years came back when I was about 24. And then at that time we had um, two daughters and then one on the way. And he decided he wanted to leave the family. So it was at that time, 24 years old, that I had a newborn and then two older ones. One was I think um, three and the other one was probably about five. Um, I had to make a decision to, um, you know, that I really did need to go to school so that I can provide them with a better um, life. So I'm from Winslow, Arizona, and the nearest college was um, Northern Arizona University. So I, it was the summer of 87 that I um, started with three little girls in tow and started my journey in college. And it was hard because at first I was starting to get overwhelmed because I would see all these young kids and I would sometimes leave class. And um, one time my professor came out and followed me and said, you don't ever compare yourself to them because they have no kids, you know, and they're, um, you know, so you just try to focus on what you need to do and you'll do great. So, you know, slowly it started getting a little bit easier. And then I, you know, it, it's, um, by the time I met my husband, I was just about finished and he was in the Navy. And when he got back from J um, Japan, then we got married and moved straight up to Washington with a um, 
four months old and three little girls. All right. I asked that because I wanted to other people to know who may watch this, who are like maybe in the middle of like wanting to do a career change, not necessarily a teenager who's in college and, you know, with no responsibilities to know that like, you're able to do this if you really want to do this. Like you had three kids and you got through and you got a physics degree. Like, so that's super inspirational for other people watching to know that, yeah, they can do this, even if they have some other things with them. Yes. Yeah. Don't and, and, and I think I was blessed too, because I had my family. I mean, even though they could not help me financially, my mom would come and she would, you know, um, watch the girls for me if I had exams or during finals, they would take the girls back to um, Winslow and then be able to actually focus on, you know, what I needed to do. I was also blessed with um, some of the younger guys, you know, um, there was also a young lady by the name of Renee that um, she was a single mom too. So we would all do study, you know, so they would either come to my house, the guys would, or to Renee's house. And um, we would feed the guys. And um, I say guys because they, I think they were in their early 20s. So we would come and we'll do homework together. Or the night before the exam, they would come, we would feed them, we would sit around, and then we would all, you know, um, do our homework or try to get, they would try to get us ready for the exam the next day. So they would be pushing us, come on, you can do it, or, you know, those kind of things. And that's why I said you were a badass before this, because not a lot of people who <laughs> can do that. Not a lot of people, uh, a lot of people give up in situations like that mm -hmm. if you didn't. Like, that's amazing that you got through all that with three kids, four kids by the time, did you have your degree before Michaela was here? I think I was, um, she was four months old when I graduated. So yeah, she was just a baby. Well, you had to go through a pregnancy though, too. While oh, yes. All yes. this going on. So yeah, that that's yeah insane exactly and even um when my last semester i had a um upper division physics class and kayla was only a couple of weeks old and so she was be coming to class with me so she'd be laying on my lap or up here and um, be you know i'd be trying to keep up with everything so yeah i i did have i mean i'm very spiritual i mean my spirit you know i um depend a lot on the lord my um and a lot on prayer and I think, and I know that's what got me through was just, you know, sometimes, you know, I would feel like I would only be hanging on by like a string, you know what I mean? Like at the, by the end of the thread and I'm just like, and then either someone would bless us with some food or they would call and say, you know, I got some food for, or some fruit for your kids if you want to, if I can come by and it was always those kind of blessings, you know, to keep me going, saying, you know, hey, I'm looking out for you, you know, and um, people from the church. Yeah, they were all just there for me, my mom, my dad, my sisters. Amazing. So you mm -hmm. people who are watching, no excuses. If you want to do it, you can do it. Stanley, <laughs> this stuff, it is doing yeah. Yeah. And, and and sometimes my sister, one of my sisters, she'll say, you know, she started school and she says, Stan, it is so hard. Is this and that? And I'm like, uh, you're talking to the wrong person. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it right. can be done. It can be done. If you want you know, it. But then they say, well, we need to make a uh, like a living, too. I said, but there's scholarships. There's scholarships for single parents, especially probably during this pandemic. There's, you know, you can get that loan and then i'm sure that 
there's there'll be um that forgiveness you know the debt forgiveness because yeah. if you're especially if you're a um frontline worker nurses or anything maybe in the science degree with the science degree you would be able to get that um forgiveness yes there are so ways. take advantage of it yes there are ways you just have to be resourceful mm -hmm. definitely so Stanley, um I'm curious if you can give us an example of a time where you faced challenges at work, uh, not because you weren't smart enough. So it had nothing to do with your intellect or your ability to, to do your job and everything to do with being a woman or also being a woman of color. And how did you navigate those type of situations? Um, <clears throat> so I think with just being Native American, we're, it, it's sometimes hard to you know voice your opinion or anything but i married michael my husband and he's very outspoken you know and so in a way i kind of started to be a little more outspoken because sometimes he'll maybe voice and say well you're saying this so i have to stand up and say no this is what i meant so i slowly started bringing that to work and um there was i know that one incident where just to get, kind of give you how um, an example of how Boeing does their re retention, it's like um, retention three, retention two, retention one. So the ones that are uh, up here, they're the ones that, you know, probably the last ones to get laid off because they get rid of the um, retention threes. And then, um, so the last ones are retention one. So I've always been a retention one throughout my whole career at Boeing. And so when a person came up to me, a guy came up to me one time and said, you know, of course you're retention one, because first of all, you're minority and you're a woman. But I said, no, it's because I worked my butt off. You know, I volunteer to do stuff when um, they ask for volunteers. I do, I'm more of an initiator than, you know, oh, can you do this? No, I got it already, you know. So I kind of disagree. I disagree with you totally that it's because I'm, you know, minority and I'm also a woman. So, and then there was another time, I mean, it wasn't so much, um, it wasn't so much about being a minority or a woman. It was just speaking out, which was, um, I had a lead and um, he, um, I sent my stuff up to him to be approved and he came back with, I said, did you approve my stuff? And he said, I did, but I had to make a lot of changes because you didn't, they weren't correct. I said, well, what was not correct? And he said, well, you know, you're supposed to be doing it this way. I said, hang on. And I kind of surprised myself because I really went out there and I got, and I let him know, I said, you know, I think we're doing it all the way that somebody told us to do it, your other lead. And I think the problem is you, you need to get, together with your other leads to make sure that you guys are like the same because right now his process the way he does his approving is different than yours so i think you guys need to get your heads together and then kind of bring it to us to make sure that we do you know um do it the way that both of you want not two different people so um after that i had to go outside and you know some fresh air because i was like wow I couldn't believe that I kind of stood up and uh, even though my voice was quivery and shaking, yeah. you know, 
I just felt so good that I finally um, stood up and said, no, this is the way it should be done. So after that, I did notice his attitude toward me changed a little bit, where if I did say something, he listened, where before it didn't seem like he was listening to me. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know. So, so it happened to be that the leads were misaligned, but he was sure yes. you were the one doing the wrong thing. And it's like, no, dude, like you guys need to get together and make sure that it's cohesive. Exactly. Come down on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Stanley, how long were you in your uh, career at Boeing before you retired? Um, 20 years. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, I, I got there in 2006, no, 2000, oh no, 1996, and then mm. um, left about um, 2018. Okay, yeah. Wow. So what would you say is the earning potential as a, a mechanical engineer? Like coming in the door, how much can someone expect to be making? And then what do you feel like is like the average and the cap of a mechanical engineer? I think why it's, I'm thinking that the entry level would probably be maybe, I don't know, 40, 45,000. But I think potentially you could go a little more than 100,000. And um, there's always, um, especially with aviation, um, aerospace, you know, it goes your top and then it starts to they lay, lay off and then it'll go up again and then it'll come down. So I think during the, when it's, we're having a good year yeah. or good years, then there's a lot of uh, maybe overtime available. So I think um, I'm sure that they can um, cap more than like 120,000, 100,000, okay. you know. So it, it's, Boeing pays pretty good. Yeah. And I learned that when I moved to the East Coast and was trying to find a job and they did not pay their engineers very you know where if they were we were making maybe 90,000 in Washington state I think in Virginia they were doing more like 60 so you know it, it they don't pay very well on um, coast to coast and that's what I found out the region is important if you're gonna be a mechanic yes. here make sure you're on the west coast make sure you're in Seattle <laughs> <laughs> yeah because and then even trying to get into like um, the ship building um, where, where there's a lot of opportunity on the East Coast. It's very hard to go from aerospace over to shipbuilding, you know, because I tried a few years and I finally just thought, well, it, it's not going to happen. So I just um, didn't do it, tried again. Okay. That's a good earning potential in my mm -hmm. eyes. Yes, it is. Yes. So Stanline, what would you tell a younger you like, what is some information that you learned maybe in the last 10 years of working that you wish you knew in the beginning um, so you would have been able to do better if you just had the information? Um, I think um, maybe going into management or, um, you know, trying to um, become a manager at Boeing because I, I know I had a few chances to become a manager but I really had to ask myself, like, you know, I know that they have a lot of meetings, you, you would have to attend a lot of meetings, and then, you know, how am I going to mesh with different personalities, especially the difficult ones? The easier one, you know, you have, you all wish that you had easy um, employees, but sometimes you, you might have to deal with the difficult one. So I think that was kind of like, you know, I wanted to be 
maybe aim for to become a manager, but also a lot of that, you know, I really did enjoy what I was doing. Um, just, you know what I mean? Just, I like what I was doing and I know that going over to the management side, you're no longer hands-on, you're more just supervising people. Right. So some uh, sometimes, yeah, I do have that um, regret that I should have went over, but um, at the same time, I was good at what I was doing. I enjoyed it. And um, that's why I stayed just, um, you know, non-management, but more salary. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So last question for you, Stanley. What is a tip that you can give someone? So let's say a college student is watching this or a woman who is ready to make a career change and do what you're doing. And they're like, I really like what Stanley's talking about. I want to do that. What are some things they can do so they can be killing it from day one, like walk in the door and you saw them and you're like, wow, like, okay, this person is really good. Like, okay, keep an eye on them kind of thing. What would impress you? Someone coming in the door kind of net new. What should they I do? think? Um, I think if you do enjoy um, something in aerospace, um, yeah, I would, before I would go and apply, I would um, kind of see, okay, so there are different places to go. Like um, you could go to systems or you could go to um, structures or um, if you want to be more um, working with customers, there's different um, places that you have that available, which is um, customer engineering or even supplier management. But if you want to um, kind of just be next to the airplane, which is what I really enjoyed, then I would kind of try to find something in the factory, like um, industrial engineering, um, design engineer, and or manufacturing engineer or planners, like they call them. So um, yeah, I think, or to get out of Boeing, um, just this is another thing too, when I was going to um, college, I had an internship over at the Honeywell down in Phoenix and Boeing is actually a customer of Honeywell because Honeywell did a lot of their um, flight systems and I worked there for probably four or five summers and I enjoyed that company too because as an intern they do spoil you they had they let me have like a car for the whole summer they gave you a stipend they gave you like a computer to take home and stuff so that helped me kind of decide where I wanted to go because if you um, you kind of learn about some of the instruments in the um, you know where the flight controls are and um, yeah so I think as a college student you know you kind of just you do have such a variety of places that you can go but if you want Boeing um, I think you can if you don't know what you want to do just get in the company and then as you get to learn the company, you kind of see, oh, okay, I really do like that area. And that's where I would like to go. Okay. And what I are some, that your question. <laughs> yeah. And what are some skills you think that they should be exhibiting to the leadership that will make them be a person that is like basically almost like a force to be reckoned with within the workplace? What are some skills that the person should have coming in the door? I think um, just even um, being an initiator of, um, if someone needs to get volunteered for something, you know, maybe, I mean, always look for somewhere to grow, I guess, like to learn and never stop learning. And what I end up doing too is, um, just take a notebook and just, um, these are, this is how you do this. And then you would do the, 
that kind of helps with a lot of questions going back to that person or yeah i would just keep a notebook and then just try to get do your notes in there and then just um, never stop learning when you go into the job and um, kind of be a good listener and yeah i agree and, and i think too another good thing is just um being personable you know going out to the factory and um and a good lesson for me was i had this dear friend that she was a co-worker at first but became a really good friend and her style was so different and what she did was she would go and she would actually talk about oh how's your family doing how what are you going to do this weekend where me i would go in and say i need this this and this from you and so i saw them kind of pushed back on me but with her they were like giving her all this information and i took that from her and then i started changing the way i approached you know people and saying oh you know and then started having more of a conversation before you actually say this is what i would like from you right building rapport yes yeah. yes i agree awesome awesome well stanley you answered all of my questions uh how do you feel about the talk i felt like it went well uh, it went good yes i was um i did look over some of the stuff before and i was like you know making sure that i you know the day-to-day -day stuff especially like i'm thinking about oh okay i'm walking in and then i'm doing this and first thing you go to is your you know your queue system where you can look at different things and right i think three good questions anyone should ask themselves before they move into a different career field or choosing their first career field is what am i good at what do people tell me I'm good at and what's mm -hmm. back? And I feel like if anybody can answer those three questions, then they can definitely jump into whatever I, I think so to do. Yes. Stanley is a great example of someone who is a badass. Once again, I will say over and over <laughs> and over. And if you really want to do it, you can do it for sure. And Stanley is a prime example of that. So Stanley, thank you so much for getting on here with us and talking about your career at Boeing. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Stanley. Hey, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Melanated Scenes podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. In the meantime, hit that subscribe button and I'll catch you on the next one.